Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports with everything you possibly can know about sports business this week, an incredibly busy week again. We add hockey to the list of champions crowned and a couple of off-season months, and then we're back at it again, but everything else is frenetic. So we start with our deal-making issues, three to one. Three. UEFA to launch Metaverse Gaming League ahead of the Women's Euro 2022. Trying to create a buzz around that event. We'll launch the Gaming League this week to be streamed weekly on Twitch and YouTube. Hoping to inspire more youth to play soccer. UEFA's rollout of the Metaverse Gaming League will allow users to square off against each other in the Road to UEFA Women's Euro Roblox game. The well-known YouTuber Ruby Games will be a featured participant in the eSport event. Seeing players vie for a prize pool of 500,000 Robux, the equivalent of five grand. The Endeavor creates the Metaverse's first live esports league in Roblox, reportedly attracts over 50 million users daily, half of which are children under 12, and 56% of which are male. The Road to UEFA Women's Euro game will include a skills challenge and a YouTube educational video series to be shared in school throughout Europe via UEFA's Football and Schools program, Deal-making issue number three. Two. Rapsodo, used by Major League Baseball, launches monitor to measure both hitting and pitching data. The Rapsodo Pro 3.0 has been marketed as a live-on-live data collecting, meaning pitchers and hitters can receive synchronized metrics to find out what pitches vex certain batters and vice versa. The device utilizes multi-camera and radar technology that better qualifies ball flight data and has a 75% faster processing time. For hitters, the Pro 3.0 measures such novel analytics as the ball's contact point, height of plate, side of plate, depth of plate, play outcome, strike zone information, a whole bunch of stuff we never knew when we were growing up. And for pitchers, the new metrics from the Pro 3.0 include release extension, velocity when a ball reaches the plate, and plate spin, total spin, top spin, side spin, gyro spin, spin axis. The device also built for all weather and lighting conditions. One. Cristiano Ronaldo signs an NFT deal with cryptocurrency exchange Binance. Soccer star Ronaldo signing a multi-year deal. He'll release multiple NFTs collections per year on Binance, first dropping later this year. NFT sold exclusively founded in China, but is now legally headquartered in the Cayman Islands, is Binance. Also sponsored this year's Africa Cup of Nations soccer tournament for Man City's Ronaldo. His new NFT deal comes during a brutal crypto market that has seen cryptocurrency companies announce more than 1,700 layoffs this month, according to Business Insider. Cryptocurrency exchange FTX pulled out of its talks to become the Jersey Patch sponsor of the MLB's Los Angeles Angels, according to the New York Post. For every new revenue source, there is a risk involved in that revenue source. And from a perspective of 
what do you do today from the business? We have somebody who has an incredible perspective in the business of golf. She's the executive director. She runs the event at Valspar in Copperhead in West Florida. It's actually called the Valspar Classic. And Tracy West is the second woman who has been running successfully a men's golf tournament on the PGA Tour, distinction that everybody understands. The PGA Tour's uh, Valspar Classic has been the Tampa Bay Classic. It's been uh, uh, an event uh, that Chrysler has sponsored, Pods, Tradition, Everbank. Now Valspar, four years and another four-year extension. Tracy West, the executive director of the event, in incredibly good hands. She talks about the economics, play, charity, sports in Tampa, and a whole bunch of other stuff with her years of perspective, the EVP of ProLink Sports and co-founder as well, gives her perspective of the 3M Open, Wells Fargo, and other events too. Here's Tracy West. When you started in the industry, uh, what was the goal and aspiration for you? Uh, was it to run a tournament? Was it to be involved in other, other tournaments as well? Was it to do something else in the golf industry? Yeah, when I first started, honestly, it was really to marry having a successful business career with doing something that I felt very positive and good about on a daily basis. So a PJ Tour event and a senior tour event when I first started gives back to the community in such an economic impact way, but also a charitable way. So I looked at it as if I was going to work, you know, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, I wanted to feel really good about what I did at the end of the day. And so it was really combining business and charity for me personally. And certainly the resume, non-parole, 18 years in the industry, executive, uh, 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 been on the, on the board uh, of the, of the champions tour, uh, before 2015, when you were appointed to uh, to the Valspar, uh, what was it like that day? What was what were the challenges you faced in 2015, or are they kind of the same as they are now? Yeah, no, certainly when you know when I came on board here at the Valspar Championship, you know it was really Valspar's second or first full year as title sponsor, and so it was really trying to make sure that they knew and understand uh, understood what their goals and objectives were, um, really leading into this title sponsorship and and taking this event over, and really for us taking an established event you know that had existed for decades here in in the Tampa Bay market, and trying to reimagine it. Um, in Valspar's image and and to start to really grow the event um, in a major way and make it more beyond just Pinellas County here in, you know, in the Tampa Bay region, make it a region-wide event, um, a statewide event, um, internationally. You know, Valspar came into this as a title sponsor, not being, you know, this was not their hometown, right? Um, right. They, you know, they were, they were in Minneapolis at the time. So really trying to help them take a national look and view at this. So, so it was really trying to take the tournament and look at it with a fresh set of eyes um, along with the Copperheads um, here. So that was the biggest challenge is how do you take an event that had a storied history, but reimagine it. So ladies and gentlemen, Tracy, one of the first times I saw her, she was wearing her sunglasses and the mantra was make this the most colorful golf tournament in the world consistent with Valspar. So it's all right, pink over here, blue over here, red over here, put the glasses on. That's not entirely fictitious, is it? I mean, you really were doing that for them. 
Yeah, we really were. I mean, the, the, the tagline for the tournament that we created was the most colorful PGA Tour event in the world. And we took that um, literally, figuratively and literally. Um, so we made sure that the look and feel of, of Innisbrook and the Copperhead had a lot of color, a lot of pop to it. Um, most tournaments have a title sponsor where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of playing off of the logo color of that company. You know, so it might be one or two colors that you're, that you're focusing on. Whereas we had a palette of colors, you know, being a paint company. Um, so we were able to really bring that to life, but also how do you make the event happening in the marketplace and adding so many new and fun things that it's colorful in that way in the in the fan entertainment um in what you're doing for the sponsors so it, it colorful had a lot of different meanings well and you had a, a harder job i'm not sure everybody would say this but i would you had a tournament that was great in tampa but it wasn't really consistent relative to sponsorship pods traditions everbank uh, who came in, as I understand it, two weeks before the 2013 event, before you took over. But it still caused some significant angst when you're looking around for a sponsor. And more importantly, you're looking around for establishing to establish a very significant brand branding of the event that will keep the sponsor happy over time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Buick, Chrysler, there was, yeah, you know, I mean, right. JCPenney, really the, the only consistent sponsor that they had was the very first years of the JCPenney Classic when it was a mixed team event. But after that, yeah, there was a series of, of title sponsors. And while that, those companies are great and wonderful, right, it's hard to establish that um, consistency in the marketplace and really a brand and an image. Um, so when Valspar came on board, um, luckily they knew and understood right away the success that this tournament was driving for their brand. And, and let's face it, they came on board at a time where, where the Valspar brand, you know, in Lowe's and so forth, they were really just building up themselves as, as a consumer paint brand. They had existed as a company um, in the industrial coatings and, and a bunch of other areas, um, but they were really trying to build that consumer paint brand. So we kind of grew together, you know, from that standpoint. And now it's just the opposite, right? We're known just as the Valspar. In fact, people don't even say championship anymore. Right. You know, if you say Valspar, you know, in this community, it's, oh, the golf tournament and paint, you know, so we're synonymous, um, you know, and, and really people, even NBC, Golf Channel, and media, everyone, it's, we're just the Valspar now, which is great. It's great. And it took a lot of work and uh, you should be, uh, uh, commended for that because that doesn't that doesn't happen at a lot of tournaments doesn't happen all the time uh the relationship now i know there was a three-year extension off a four-year extension and the tour is involved and copperhead charities is involved so to the extent you can describe the business relationship what is it today yeah so we're really fortunate we have um valspar through 2025 um, and during one of the extensions, um, Valspar was purchased by Sherwin-Williams. Um, so now it's not its own company. It's a paint brand within Sherwin-Williams. So we had the relate needed to build the relationship with those executives and make sure that they knew and understood what they just inherited, right, when they bought Valspar. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to do that very successfully. They have a tremendous leadership, um, you know, with the, the CEO and chairman, John Maricus and um, Heidi Petz, um, the president. Um, and so forth. And their whole team, really that first year when they came down, you know, they were like, oh, gosh, what did we what did we, you know, inherit here? Yeah. Um, 
and they they were firm believers right away um, and and understand. So we're with them through 2025, but we'll start those renewal discussions um, here probably this fall. Good. Sooner the better. Get it committed through 2095. A sponsor is really, really, really happy with a golf tournament if? If it hits the, all their goals and objectives, their business objectives. So in, in, in Valspar's case, there's there's multiple, right? I mean, they, they want to make sure that they're driving paint sales and paint sales um, and that we're able to track that and work with their big um, customers that, that they're entertaining here. Um, they're certainly trying to make sure that they're developing um, even uh, deeper relationships with their suppliers. Um, so we have a huge supplier program where we've got over 40 companies that are suppliers to Valspar come and support the tournament and be here that week and spend time with the procurement team and the executive team. So that's extremely important. Um, certainly just from a an impressions um, and, uh, and so forth, they want to make sure that the tournament is a positive image for Valspar, which it is, right? Between, again, going back to the economic impact that it creates, um, this tournament generates over a $50 million economic impact annually um, into this market, um, the charitable uh, impact that it's having. So as long as all the um, you know things are positive coming out um, in the brand image for Valspar, so it's really multiple objectives. And we feel that this tournament and the relationship between Valspar and the PGA Tour matches that, um, right? I mean, some of the top companies in the world are title sponsors of the PGA Tour. In our humble opinion, it's the best sport to possibly, you know, be affiliated with, um, you know, given all that the PGA Tour means um, in the marketplace. So it's been a huge win for Valspar. All right, let's, let me just check. I just want to check the blackboard. So here's what's great about Tracy. She's mentioned, and we, we're now 1040 into the interview, she's mentioned Valspar 372 times, ladies and gentlemen, and we're only halfway through, okay? So <laughs> there's a method to her madness, but she also believes in the tournament, obviously, which leads me to March 18, 17, 18, 19, 2020. You could write a book about that. Uh, you know, Ken Kennerly, who is our friend, skates through the Honda, great event. Now we're ready to close the world. So talk about that week. Yeah, it was it was crazy <laughs> for for everybody, right? You know, in the entire the entire world in the sports industry and I always like you know when people ask me about this and so forth, I always want to phrase it like listen, we're we're a pro sport in the end. So like let's put it all in perspective, right? Um you know, people were dying and you yeah. know, obviously the impact you know to people's lives, you know, throughout the world is much greater than, you know, our problems, right? But yes, it was it was disappointing, you know, because basically um the players was the week for us. Uh, and they uh, were able to get that first um, Thursday round in. But, you know, no one knew what this was really going to be and, and, and quite the impact. But we could see early on, um, you know, that week, so our advance week, what was happening. And we were obviously in close communication with the PJ Tour and so forth. Um, and when the NBA made the decision that they made, you know, we knew right then we're like, oh, wow, okay, this is, this is not going to be good. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so basically we, it was a really crazy, um, you know, 12 hour period. Um, we were having hourly, if not every 30 minute phone calls with the PJ tour and they were trying to decide what they were going to do. And at one point, um, you know, that morning, you know, the morning before the evening we were canceled, um, it was okay. You're going to play your event, but without fans. 
So we scrambled and did a complete change on, on what we were doing, what um, expenses we were going to try and save, you know, what we could do differently. And we did that full plan. And um, literally the, the team, my team had just left um, for the night and I got another um, text saying, we need you and Hollis Kavner, so our CEO, um, on a phone call in the next 10 minutes with us. And I'm like, okay, this is really, okay, yeah. this is not yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and they basically called us right before um, Jay Monahan, the commissioner, went on, you know, Golf Channel and and suspended and stopped stopped play, not only for the players, but for us in the next um, next three tournaments. And then obviously it snowballed past that. So and, yeah, it and- was disappointing, but. Yeah, but disappointing. But here you go on the rebound. So you say, all right, back next year, bigger and better than ever. Sponsors stay with us. Uh, everybody else stay with us. But you can't do it in person. So what? What's what's that rebound business like? Yeah, well, the first rebound was just trying to fix, make sure we were fiscally going to be okay because we, you know, we were the first tournament full event canceled. Obviously, you know, besides the players, so our build was completely done. All our most of our expenses were already expended, if you will. Um, so we needed to battle for you know two or three months just to make sure that we were fiscally going to survive. Um, and really with the sport of Valspar, and yes, I'll say Valspar again, with the sport of Valspar and our local sponsors, um, you know, we've got over 300 local partners, the PJ Tour, everyone coming together to figure out, okay, everybody needs to kind of share in this pain um, together um, because we wanted to make sure that the ticket holders were taken care of, um, that we still gave some money into the community from a charity perspective, et cetera. So everyone kind of had to come together to make sure that first off, we came out of you know, that 20 tournament without a financial disaster on our hands. Then it was moving into, okay, yes, how do you plan for 21? And at that point, we still didn't know for quite some time how big an event we could be. You know, we knew that we would play, um, but it took a lot, months and months to figure out how many fans would the PJ Tour allow us to have, how many fans would, you know, our county allow us to have. So, so 21 was still an interesting planning tournament, but it went really, really well. Um, so um, we're, we're, we're in good shape. Sam Burns wins the tournament. Max Homa has a great video hole out. And you're thinking, wow, back to normal. Here we are. And all we have to do is compete against a Tom Brady, a Rays, a Lightning. It's just the normal big-time sports competition. Are these competitors or are these friends? Uh, First and foremost, friends, no question. Um, We're actually very, very um, grateful and and, um, thankful that both or all three, the Rays, the Lightning, and the Bucks, our partners of this tournament. Um, so they actually buy sponsorships here, um, you know, at our event and they entertain some of their sponsors here, which is, which is great to have. And we do a lot of media and, and so forth with those teams. So first and foremost, we're friends um, because this is a small community and we all get along extremely, extremely well, but yes, are we competing sometimes for those same, you know, dollars um, and so forth? Sure we are. Um, but I think in the end, this community is incredibly supportive and wants um, all the events to succeed. So we're we're really um, blessed to have a lot of local support. All right. So let's uh, in the time we have left, let's let's uh, do a few quick questions on the golf business. Generally, a hundred billion dollar industry, 150 million golfers. Last time I checked, 35 million of us are avid. 
you know, five or six of us are super avid. We would play golf more than sleep. So is the business in good shape? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly, um, again, not to downplay COVID and, you know, all the horrible things that have happened, but the, the silver lining for golf has been extremely well for this golf industry because people um, felt safe, you know, during during COVID and when they were working from home and so forth, they, you know, they felt it was an activity that they could get out and do with their friends and family and do in a responsible way. So the boom in golf over the last couple of years for rounds played has been huge. And we're seeing that translate into um, good things for the PJ Tour. So from a viewership standpoint, there's a lot of interest in watching golf. Um, and then certainly the tournaments are rebounding in a great way with the number of fans coming out to watch. So our 2022 event was was huge. Um, I think e almost every single PGA Tour event is having um, a very, very good amount of spectators and fans getting back out and watching and so forth. So we're in a really good position um, to take advantage of, of people's renewed interest in the game. Media, new media, uh, streaming. The pundits were worried about cannibalization and streaming. If you get it free, are you still going to watch? Viewership is up. Everybody still is excited about it. Talk about media generally and where it's going. Yeah, I mean, there's so many options now, right? You know, so, you know, with PGA Tour Live and now with the distribution that they have, you know, with ESPN Plus and so forth, um, and with the technology, you know, you can literally watch any player you want, any shot for the most part, right, on the on the PGA Tour now. So so you can almost customize, you know, what, what yeah. you want to see and where you want to see it. Um, and that just translates in, hey, the more often we're, you know, that our product is out there that people can digest and consume is fantastic from that standpoint. Um, I think, you know, obviously not only from a social standpoint, but, you know, the, the fun things that I, you know, see the PJ Tour doing, things like Scratch, um, you know, kind of like more of an irreverent, you know, sort of look at the game, um, you know, that has a certain appeal to a certain demographic and so forth. So I think the PGA Tour is very bright on, you know, how are they looking at every demo and how do we approach you know, getting our product um, in the hands of each each type of consumer. So we feel very bullish about all of that. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the number of influencers, the type of people that are, you know, on social media covering this tournament, the players themselves, there's some really great people to follow. And, you know, they're very funny um, and so forth. So I, I think we're in a really good space um, from a media content standpoint. Friend, hero, mentor Jack Nicholas used to say, if people couldn't play my courses, find another course. He's changed his tune so significantly now. Uh, top golf, 15 inch holes, pop stroke, our buddy, uh, all of that. Do you consider that golf and is it good for the game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? It's, <laughs> at any time that people are out there consuming golf in any way and participating in any way, it just drives interest, you know, for people going, wow, you know, this really it can be a difficult game to play, but a lot of fun. But I want to go and see, you know, watching golf on TV, you know, is fantastic in many ways and so forth. But to really, truly appreciate, you know, if, if you're fortunate to live in an area that has a PJ Tour event that you can go and watch them live. And, and that goes for PJ Tour champions, Corn Ferry Tour, certainly the LPGA and so forth. What these athletes are able to do, you know, with a golf ball, sometimes you can't fully appreciate on TV. So when you can go live and see it um, is is tremendous. But, you know, people participating 
just makes them want to go see the world's best. Let's see the politics of this. And I'm not expecting a legal answer because there are thousands of memos going back and forth. We're doing this uh, interview and everybody's focused on the Saudi tour. Who's in? Who's out? Are they going to play? Are they not going to play? What's the guarantee? What's the release structure? What's litigation? Where are you in all that? Yeah, the way I look at it is this, you know, the PGA Tour is the finest and best, uh, you know, league in the world, right? And and the best players in the world recognize that fact and are going to play on the PGA Tour. Um, so we're really bullish and excited about where this tour is and where it's heading. There's so many good things happening, you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, we're, we're not concerned and, and we're going to, we're going to continue to be proud partners of the PGA tour. Um, our title sponsors will be as well, um, and support this, uh, event and the players that choose to play here. Uh, first time women golfer entry of the golf uh, world fastest growing segment of golfers by far since 2010. How do you make sure that stays that way? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, you know, supporting, you know, the LPJ tour as much as we can. So we're, for example, we're, we're fortunate um, here in Tampa Bay to have an LPJ event as well um, the Pelican um, women's championship. Um, so we've got a nice partnership with them and, you know, we work to support, um, you know, that event in total, certainly from the PGA tour perspective, you know, they've been, you know, and, and formed an alliance with the PGA tour or excuse me, the LPGA tour where they're helping negotiate some of their media rights and so forth, um, for them. So I think the more that we can, um, you know, as an industry support, um, the LPGA event that continues to help, encouraging women to come out. Um, you know, we've got, you know, most people think, oh goodness, you know, the demographic coming out to watch a PJ tour event is probably six, excuse, 60 year old males, right? That's yeah. not the case. I mean, that's, that may have been the case, you know, at one point in time, but you know, we're over 45% women, you know, coming to watch the tournament, um, which is, which is fantastic. And that's, and it's us continuing to do things at the tournament that make it a happening that encourage, um, women to come out and watch. Um, a lot of PGA Tour events do um, executive women's days and so forth, trying to get the executives out um, and experiencing golf and spending time with the PGA Tour players. So it's just every little thing that you can do supporting first tee, um, you know, which is obviously a lot of young girls participating in that. So it's it's as an industry in a tournament, trying to do everything that you can to, to really broaden um, everybody that wants to come out and watch golf. All right, finally, because probably you think about what's happened in the last three or four years other than COVID that's like revolutionized the entire world of sports. And it's gaming and gambling and all of the things that are happening. Uh, Florida yet continues to be way behind the curve. But the whole gambling issue around the country, around the world, as it relates to the golf industry, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, positives and negatives, right? Um, you know, certainly I think from a tournament perspective, there's a lot of um, sponsorship opportunities um, that uh, are, are coming forth because of, of, the, of the gaming, which to us is great because that's just supporting charitable dollars into our, in, into our community. So from that, it's a positive. Um, I think there's always the slight worry about, you know, how will fans react and do they place a bet on a particular player and then do something silly, you know, at a tournament and someone's backswing and so forth. But luckily that hasn't really seemed to happen. Um, there's certainly been some times where there's, you know, someone cheering 
when someone misses a putt and you're like, okay, why are they doing that? You know, um, type of scenario, but that's very far, you know, few and far between. Um, so I think that the positives well outweigh any negatives, but you're right. Every state's different right now. Certainly in Florida where, you know, we thought there was a deal right now there yeah. isn't, um, you know, but it's rapidly happening and, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn, if you will. Right. And it's going to happen in every state. So now it's a way it, now it's just, how does the PJ tour and each tournament figure out how to maximize um, living and working with this industry? Let's look at the Sports Tech Minute. Sports Tech Company, PointsBet, gets about a $65 million SIG sports investment to expand its North American operations. The Susquehanna-owned company becomes Sportsbook's largest sports shareholder, about 13% stake. PointsBet has secured a $94 million AU investment from SIG Sports Investment Group the subsidiary of Susquehanna. And after several years of evaluating the market, this becomes a significant long-term investment, which will no doubt make the company and the industry only better. Now the gaming minute. The third in-person sports betting facility opens in North Carolina this fall. Lawmakers debate legalized online gaming in the state. The third in-person facility will begin accepting sports wagers this fall. The Catawba Nation-owned Two Kings Casino, located in Kings Mountain, plans to open a sports book before the start of football season. Delaware North spokesman Glenn White told a Raleigh news station this last week. The Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians have two casinos on their land in far western North Carolina. The Harris-branded casinos opened their sports books in March 2021. In 2019, North Carolina lawmakers overwhelmingly voted to allow sports wagering and betting on horse races at gaming facilities located on tribal land where casino-style gaming already allowed. The bill passed 43-7 to in the Senate and 90-27 to in the House, signed into law by Governor Roy Cooper. The two bills working in tandem would have allowed the state to license at least 10 and up to 12, million, 12 mobile wagering operations in the state to begin taking bets after January 1, 2023. How about good sports as we continue to do every week? Dick's Sporting Goods CEO announces travel expense reimbursement to employees seeking abortions in another state. Can also travel with one support person and they get it uh, from the company. More to come. Sparta Science brings force plate data to Ohio uh, Orlando Health in a new partnership the roots are in elite athletes and tactical units founded by strength coach physician Dr. Phil Wagner, and it's on its way. Division Street launching NFTs for University of Oregon female student athletes in honor of Title IX anniversary. Inspired by the activism of New York Liberty and former Ducks basketball star Sabrina Ionescu, obviously a lot of other athletes taking part as well. XL Sports Management acquires Game 7 to bolster brand marketing offering the evolution from experiential marketing into a leading creative shop in sports makes them a great fit for XL. The strategic investment assures brand marketing but also philanthropy. And MLB approves CBD sponsorships in a landmark change for sports leagues. The bottom line is it could be as much as $47 billion the CBD market in 2028. 
more dollars available for philanthropy, revenue, sponsorship, and the like. What's your show for this week? We'd like to thank Tracy West for lending her perspective on a very important golf business just in time between the U.S. Open and the British Open. We'd like to thank Nick Nielsen for helping to put the show together. I'd like to thank you all for listening and watching. And join us next time when we continue to go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Rick Haro. See you soon.